I'm your host, Maggie Lee Calvin. Friends call me Meg. Feel free to do the same. I am a coach, author, speaker, content creator. And for today, I am a mom for today's episode. This is an uproarious profundity. It is unconventional wisdom for you, my fellow spiritually attuned go-getter. So today's episode is going to be a little different. I usually love to guarantee results, period. And so I usually try to start the solo shows by sharing what you're going to get at the end of the episode, or at least in the copy on social media or on the podcast platforms I put, this episode will help you get blank. Today's episode is going to be kind of a story. It's going to be a story and hopefully it will encourage you. Oh, I guess you, I guess you will get a result. It will encourage you as a parent. Now, disclaimer, I am not a mommy blogger. I never have desired to be one, even though I spent 15 years in the nonprofit world working with children's and families. I never had a nudge from the divine to be a mommy blogger. So I am not one. I'm also not a therapist or a health professional, mental health professional. So that must be set up front. And I would encourage you, if you hear something in tonight's episode that makes you feel like you want more clarity toward a wound or a trigger, and you feel, I want to reach out to a therapist, I would highly, highly encourage that for sure. So without further ado, let's get on with the episode. I guess I should say, before we get on with the episode, that my hope for this time is that if you don't have kids yet, you have a heads up. (laughs) And if you do have kids, I, I, yeah, I think I've already said it. I hope you feel encouraged on the journey of parenting well. And I I guess I should be honest and say, even in all my years of working with children and family, I squeamed at the idea of writing parenting advice, although my first book was around how we can be a supplemental family to kids of troubled homes. But I was always squeamish about writing parenting advice in any of my work because there's there's 50 ways to do it right, you know? And when you bring in the different personalities of the parents and the different personality of the child and the different internal and external factors, yeah, there's there's lots of ways to do it right. And what I'm going to share tonight, regardless of a parent's personality, regardless of a parent's socioeconomic class, regardless of... I might've already said personality. I I was interrupted by my, my child and my babysitter and outside the room. So regardless of a parent's personality, religious upbringing, um, social economic class, career season they're in values, this, what I'm going to talk about tonight is true across the board. And I found it to be true across the board because it applies to humans. So I will share Let now, let's move on to the episode after this really long 
introduction of Meg giving disclaimers. <laughs> and Meg talking about how she's never wanted to give parenting advice, but here she is doing an episode called, most likely will be called, The One Thing They Didn't Tell You About Parenting. And it changes everything. The one thing they didn't tell you about parenting and knowing this one thing changes everything. The one thing. Should I tell it now or should I wait? I'm going to tell it now. The one thing they don't tell you about parenting when you're, when you're pregnant or when you're adopting is that becoming a parent gives you a really unique opportunity to heal all of your childhood shit, to heal every wound, to heal every scar from childhood. When you become a parent, you are giving yourself the gift of getting to heal that whatever most hurt you as a kid. You're given the opportunity. Now, not everyone takes it. A lot of us are not a lot of us let fear win and we feel we don't have what it takes to go to the depths of our pain and come out on the other side alive and whole. But the truth is you do. Period. Now I have a theory and I'm open to being wrong. So please hit me up on the socials, Meg Calvin on Facebook and Meggie Lee underscore Calvin, M-E-G-G-I-E-L-E-E underscore Calvin on the Instagram. Hit me up on social media if you disagree with my theory. My theory is that those who never parent, whether that is through adoption, procreation, fostering, or just letting a child or teenager live with them for a bit, or they care, so like they mother or father in ways that are part-time. When we are in those types of situations, it speeds up our healing. Yeah, it expedites our healing process, I believe. So my theory is that those who do not put themselves or get themselves or have the opportunity to mother, to father in any way, my theory is that it, A, they, these childhood wounds stay in their subconscious. And as Carl Jung says, until we make, Carl Jung, until we make our subconscious conscious, it will rule our lives and we call it fate. Such a powerful quote. So my theory is those who never mother or father, they keep living with this childhood shit wounds leading their life and calling it fate because it's just on the subconscious and they haven't had a moment where they've brought it back to from the subconscious to the conscious. So they, they never heal that stuff and they could potentially be okay. <laughs> or it takes them, if they don't have children or teenagers that they're caring for in their life, it takes them a lot longer to heal that stuff. Now, I don't want to be right. I don't want to be wrong. I want to know your opinion on that theory because that is that is just my own observation, my own theory. 
So that is that is the one thing about parenting that they don't tell you. And I have someone I love very much, very, very much, who is expecting a baby. And she started to have, and I'd been thinking for a month, I need to tell her this. I need to tell her what no one told me. <laughs> and maybe if we knew it, we'd never procreate or we'd never adopt. But I thought for about a month, I had the nudge. I need to tell her just a heads up. When you become a mom, you are giving yourself the gift of healing your childhood shit. And it's all going to come back up at different times. And then you will get the opportunity to be brave and heal it. And I, I didn't follow that nudge. And then she started having nightmares that pointed back to her abandonment from her father. And so I told her then that I think, I think this has to do with your, your dad. And also this is beautiful and a normal part of becoming a parent. So now for the story part. And in this story, there will be a, a gentle step that you too can, can take that I feel that I feel might serve you as it has served me greatly. So this would have been last spring. Yeah, that's how long I've been putting off doing this episode. This is not a recent thing. And finally I was like, okay, this this is the week that we're going to do the parenting episode. Yeah. So last spring my daughter was watching something on YouTube. I know I already messed up by doing that. And usually my husband and I are always right there. So we know what she's watching. But after this moment, we got rid of YouTube all over the place. Well, my husband and I went upstairs to take a quick nap, like I power nap. So it was like a 15 to 20 minute. And she changed that it was on the, it was all kid stuff, but she clicked something that was inappropriate. And it was, my husband watched all of it. I, because of my own wounds was too, I just sent it to him the next day when she told us about it, but it was basically, it sounded like a tween boy playing with, playing with I think it was My Little Ponies. Yeah. So we had her on a channel that was My Little Ponies. And I know I should have already, already saw the red flag of brony, weird ass brony culture. Right. But I did not, I did not, did not think in that moment. This was actually Mother's Day. I remember it was Mother's Day and I thought I'm going to take a nap. I deserve it. Yeah. It was Mother's Day last spring. So she's watching this video and the boy, the little, the tween making these videos is um, capturing the My Little Ponies and burning them and making a scary voice. And she did not sleep well that night. And she told us about it. And we expressed to her, thank you for being honest. I'm so sorry that that came up. And Garrett said, she's going to be fine. It's nothing like he said, the tween boy definitely needs help. Like he, he shouldn't play with toys that way. Like you shouldn't hurt the My Little Ponies, but she's, she's going to be fine. And my husband, Garrett, was not that rattled or shaken by it. 
which, which was good because I was extremely rattled and shaken. So the next night she was, and she, she usually is a really good sleeper and feels whatever that means, right? Who's a good sleeper? Like she feels comfortable in her bed. See, this is why I didn't want to do this episode. Like every single thing I say, <laughs> I'm like, I didn't mean that. I bet family beds are okay. Co-sleeping's good. No judgment. <laughs> Just know it's a no judgment zone. This is how the three of us humans in this house do life. And I'm sharing a story about that. And there's a hundred right ways to parent. So Henley is always comfortable in her bed. But this night she was not. And she was crying and Garrett went and comforted her because he's 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 awesome at that. And I just started shaking profusely in my bed. And I, I was overcome with mommy guilt that I had failed her, that these images are going to be in her brain forever, that this is going to be a scar. Even though Garrett and I had both talked to her like, as you know, this is bothering you because it's, it's not, it's not right. It doesn't feel good because you know, that's not how we treat each other. That's not how we treat toys. And this boy made a bad choice. So we had had all these conversations. So, and I know it was just a, it was a little video, but it, I was shaking because I was so, I was so scared that I was going to scar her. Yeah. Yeah. And mommy guilt is a real thing. Um, not the kind of mommy guilt like, ah, you work and have a kid. <laughs> not that kind of mommy guilt. Like just nothing hurts us worse than our kids getting hurt. I love the quote that was said by a gentleman, not myself, that having a kid is like, whether through adoption or fostering or biologically, it is like having your heart running around outside of your body. So I had remembered this beautiful, I was noticing that I'm, I'm being, I'm being triggered. There's something here. And I love the coach, Christine Lopes, the heart alchemist. Yes, I quote her a lot because she is amazing. And I remember her saying that a trigger to, to shift our minds from looking at it as something negative, as an invitation to heal something, that there was a way of being that used to serve us in previous relationships that we had to act or believe in a certain way to live, to survive. But now that way of being at our subconscious is no longer going to serve us. So a trigger is, is an invitation. Like this wound is ready to be healed. <laughs> it's time. You can do it. You can do it. So I was noticing like, like my, my breathing exercise, when I was shaking in that bed, my, my breathing exercises weren't working. My mind, like mindfulness grounding in my bed wasn't working. And there, there was so much fear. And I remembered Christina Lopes, what she said, what I just told you. And I thought that there's something here that I need to heal. 
because I had heard many times from my husband, from my therapist, and from my coach that whatever we resist persist. And my fear, the energy of fear is attractive. It attracts that which we fear when that's all we're focusing on, just like all of our thoughts. And that I was most likely projecting onto Henley my own childhood fears. And Ruby Wax, the mindfulness-based cognitive therapist, talks about neuro Wi-Fi. And in and that's that we feel each other's chemistry. We have chemistry with everyone, not just romantic, but professional and bad chemistry. Like we just clash and platonic chemistry and that neural Wi-Fi in the spiritual new age world, we just call it someone's energy that we can feel their high vibrations or their low vibrations. And we feel that. And our kids especially feel that. My late aunt, my cosmetic Buddha, Aunt Nana used to always say that to me that I am as the mom, I am the thermostat for the mood in the house. And Henley will always feel my mood. So having done exercises before that were helpful around my childhood, I did another exercise. And this one is very, very helpful to do. And it's where you think back to a time in your childhood, most likely there is a triggering moment, a triggering memory that's coming up for you. When you felt, at least I'm speaking from my experience, because again, not a therapist, not a mommy blogger. <laughs> I know those, those positions are held in the same regard, <laughs> which is hilarious to me. Um, so for me, I thought back to I was being triggered by the times in my childhood when I felt alone, when I felt scared, and there was no one there to comfort me. And I thought back to those moments. And in my journal, after deep breathing, using the Insight Timer app to do a deep meditation, I wrote a letter from 30, mid-30s Meg to, to four-year-old Meg. Knowing all that I want to know, I, knowing all that I know now, sharing that with four-year-old Meg, sharing my parents' situation, sharing the good that God brought from the heartache, sharing that those involved were doing the best that they knew how to do. And I went to my journal knowing that within all of us, the inner child is still there, is very present. And the inner child, I believe, and lots of other people that are smarter than me believe this too, that when we have a trigger, especially as parents, 
the inner child wants to tell us something. And so this journaling exercise is so amazing. So you write a letter from the age you are now. Sorry, I need to stop teaching and just tell my story. I wrote a letter from mid, mid-30s Meg to four-year-old Meg. And then, and you, I cried, I cussed, did all the things. Moved, moved that energy out of me that was leading to me shaking. <laughs> and then you go, you put the pen in your non-dominant hand to, and this is probably explained a lot neurologically better by, by the therapist or the real mommy bloggers. You tap into a different part of your brain. You have to think harder when you use your non-dominant hand. And it's very freeing in a weird way. And it turned off my over and some surprising way, it turned off my over analytical brain. Like, oh, I'm just writing. This is me writing. This is 35-year-old Meg writing. And when I put it in my non-dominant hand, it it felt like it definitely wasn't 35-year-old Meg writing anymore. It it allowed me to tap into my inner child who's still a part of me, who's still a part of you. And you, you listen and you take what you get and you let that four-year-old or whatever it is, whatever age it was for you, I let that four-year-old Meg write a letter back to me. And it was extremely healing. And there's another version of this that I've done before that is a guided meditation. I think I've talked about it before when it's, I think it would be considered transcendental meditation. I could be wrong. I need to look that up. But it's where you use your imagination and go back in time and talk to your younger self who's been hiding in a closet. It's called Kid in the Closet and it's phenomenal. Very, very helpful. And having a conversation with the the inner child at a time when you felt the most, in my case, alone, scared, unseen, unwanted. And when I did this exercise, when I wrote this letter, my inner child was sarcastic, to no surprise, and thanked me for listening to her and told me that it felt really good to be seen and that it felt really good to be loved and she didn't feel so alone. And what I also got from that was this awareness that my daughter, just like myself and most likely just like you, And just like your kids, my daughter was stronger and more resilient than I realized already. And that what I and Garrett can teach her will add to that resilient spirit. And it was a profound experience. And to no surprise, a week after another moment happened. And I was visiting this friend of mine who, this person I love very much, that I was, it's now pregnant, that I was speaking of earlier. We were visiting her and I pulled, Henley and I pulled up in the driveway and there was this, there was this dead squirrel. 
and I didn't, I didn't want Henley to see it. I didn't think she was ready for that yet. Cause I don't think she had seen a dead animal yet. No, she hadn't at that point in her life, even though Garrett hunts sometimes like she hadn't seen a dead animal. So I, <laughs> I rolled my car over it, not the tires, just where it was covering it. And I told myself, I'm going to come back later and I'm going to, I'm going to bury this squirrel. So I left and I forgot to bury the squirrel. And when I came back to pick up Henley about an hour or so later, the squirrel was gone. And this very, this person that I love very, very much said, oh my gosh, you won't believe what happened. We came outside and there was this, and I felt it in my heart. Like I sank, I was, the shakes almost started coming back again but they weren't as intense. She said, there was this dead squirrel. It's like, yeah, I, I saw it. And she said in Henley, she goes, I don't know if I handled it right. Cause this person doesn't have kids yet. So she was, and she wants to be good at what she does. So she was questioning herself. She said, I don't know if I did this right, but, um, bef- I, I said, Henley, let's, let's go inside. Let's go inside. And you're <laughs> because our daughter is so smart. She said, why? because the dead squirrel (laughs) in my, this, this adult said, ah, yeah, you saw it. And then Henley, I guess the benefit of being raised in the church, because I used to serve as a minister in the church, Henley said, we need, we need to bury this thing. And the adult said, um, okay. And I would not in any way call this adult re- religious, um, more, more spiritual, but she said, okay. So they, they got a shovel and then Henley then said to the adult, we need to, we need to pray. Like, let's pray over this. And so I am beaming with pride. I'm so proud. And then this adult starts to cry and this adult had just lost someone in her life had crossed over to whatever awaits us after we leave here this time around. She had lost someone she loved very, very much. And so she started to cry and she said, I, after I buried it, all I could think about was, and she said the person's name who she had lost, who not, I really don't like saying lost, um, who has crossed over, who she's now experiencing in a new way. And she goes, I, this adult said, I went upstairs to the bathroom and I just, I just started crying. And as I was burying this squirrel and I, I shared with Henley about the circle of life, how it goes back in the tree and it's this beautiful circle of life. All I could think about was this person that, and she said the person's name again that had crossed over and she said it, it it touched me. It touched me so much more than the celebration of life that we did for her when she crossed over. And I was overcome with a new kind of mommy guilt, but the good kind. And it hit me. I was overwhelmed with the fact that my fear that my daughter couldn't handle something might have prevented her 
from being the part of something beautiful. The, f- the fear that my daughter could not handle something, the fear that my daughter was not resilient enough could have hindered her from helping another on their healing journey. Like I, I, like I wasn't meant to bury the squirrel. Everything happened as it, sh- I hate to say this should, everything happened in a way that I feel was aligned with God's highest good in that moment. And if I hadn't had taken the time the week before-ish to tap in and notice, oh, this moment has very little to do with Henley and YouTube, and it has everything to do with my own inner child, my own childhood wounds that are ready to be healed. And my inner child wants to tell me something, so I'm going to meditate or or I'm going to journal and listen and tend to that wound and tell it a new story or hug her, let her be seen. And as I saw Henley that day after they, she had her five-year-old self had held space for this adult who we both love and created a space, a very sacred space of mourning. I felt the inner child within me cheering, saying, see, she's got this. And also at the same time, since parenting is scary as fuck at times, see, you got this. The one thing about parenting that no one tells you and it changes everything is that when you give the gift of life to another, you give yourself the gift of healing your childhood wounds. And in my theory, you do it a lot quicker than those who are not mothering or fathering. If, if we catch it and we realize I'm projecting on my child right now, this has nothing to do with my own child. This has everything to do with my inner child. So if we catch it and we reach out for help from a coach, from a therapist, we not only heal it within ourselves. And live a life free of the chains of that childhood wound. But we, in a way, prevent our child from that same wound, potentially. And most certainly, we catalyze our kids in power. We catalyze our kids with a resilient spirit because we're not projecting on them our own shit. Yeah, I've always thought about that Bible verse, the sins of our ancestors passed down or something like that. And yeah, I, I, I do believe in epigenetics 100%. And at the same time, I also believe that my mom 
passed her fears on to me with her fearful energy and her anxieties and her way of being. And I most likely will pass some on to Henley, but not all of them because I'm catching them and I'm seeing that triggers are an invitation to heal a wound. Triggers are a way to change our way of being that used to serve us to survival. But now as we've evolved, as we've grown, those ways of being no longer serve us. So the triggers are gently letting us know, sometimes not gently, as I'm convulsing in bed, shaking. It wasn't convulsing. It was just, it was just shaking. And sometimes triggers are our inner child letting our entire being know that our inner child wants to talk with us and has something to say. So while this episode does not guarantee you results as a spiritually attuned go-getter, I want to encourage you, if nothing else, I want to encourage you that as a parent, as past childhood wounds present themselves, to you, it's because they know that you're ready to heal them. It's because your inner child is ready to help you heal them. And if you are afraid to meditate and meet your inner child, to go to therapy, to do the journaling exercise, to see a coach, If you are afraid, like I was, two-ish so years ago, if you were afraid because you thought that you could not go to the depths of your pain, feel it at the deepest, most terrifying, most hurtful level, and come out on the other side whole, You are mistaken because you are not only worthy to heal that wound, but equally as important, you are fully capable, fully capable to do the work, the deep work that's needed to heal. And that is a guarantee that I am more than comfortable making. They say, move for me, for me, for oh, 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 o